0: Well, good morning, Barbara and Campus. It is good to be with you again this morning. My name is Joel. I was here last week, and I'm excited to be here with you this week. If this is your first time here, special welcome to you. We are so, so glad that you are here. And like Josiah said, fill out your connection card, uh, go back to the Welcome Center, meet someone back there, and they'll give you a free gift uh, just just the, our way of saying we're glad that you're here, we hope that you come back, and we're excited that you're a part of what we are doing. If you weren't here last week, uh, just so that you get to know me a little bit, I'll introduce myself. Uh, like I said, I'm Joel, I am married, I've been married for two and a half years to my lovely wife Jessica, and we love marriage, it's always an adventure, always a fun time, it's always interesting too, right? Marriage is, is good, and secondly, I am a big sports fan, I love sports and especially football. My two favorite teams are the Penn State Nittany Lions and the washington redskins and so being a penn state fan in ohio country doesn't always serve me well uh, except for this last year that was really nice Uh, so i enjoy sports a lot i am also the student ministries resident at norton campus uh, grace church norton campus and so what josiah does i do at the norton campus and so it's exciting to be able to work with middle school high school students have crazy fun with them play dodgeball but also to see their eyes light up into god's word to see their lives uh, just come alive when they experience jesus and what he's doing uh, there and so we're about to go to momentum conference youth conference this week with our high schoolers so it'll be an exciting week to uh dive into that with them during uh, the summer, you guys here at and Campus have been going through the life of Jesus, which I think is a super fascinating, super awesome series to walk through just to see who Jesus is and what he's about. And You start off with prophecies, and so Jeff walked you through the prophecies of Jesus, looking at the Old Testament prophets and saying, what did they point to about Jesus, his Birth, his life, his death, and resurrection, and so you looked at those and said wow, those are fascinating. That they were pointing to that he fulfilled those. And what does that mean for us? And then you jumped into miracles, which we're going to end today. And Jeff started off with some fascinating miracles uh, about what Jesus has done, who he is, and what he has come to do. And some miracles you jumped into were water to wine. Looked the miracle of Jesus at the wedding ceremony, water to wine. He turned there, walking on water healing the demon-possessed man. And then last week, we looked at him feeding 5,000 people. And so we looked at him being the bread of life last week. And it was super fascinating, diving into these miracles to see who he is and what he's all about. And as I was studying, I looked at the definition of miracles, and this is what it says. A surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of, of a divine agency. And so last week we said that miracles are surprising. They're not supposed to happen. They're unique. They're shocking. When they happen, you're like, wow, I can't believe that this took place. And then the definition goes on to say, by a divine agency. And we would point to God, right? God has his hand in what is happening. It's not by coincidence. He was there. And we would look to God to say that. And as we look at these miracles, we say God is there. Jesus is there performing The miracles, and miracles can happen in the smallest of circumstances, in the biggest of circumstances. It can happen in all situations of life, like sports, for example. Some of you would say the Cavs winning the championship two years ago was a miracle for Cleveland. Like that was not supposed to happen, right? It was a miracle. Others of you have walked through family members having medical diagnosis of cancer, of diseases, and they have been cured, and you're like, it's a miracle that they're here today others of you maybe it's a job and you're like wow i can't believe that this happened at the right time right place it's a miracle others just life right in life there are shocking surprising things that happen i had a miracle happen to me about a year ago me and my wife were traveling out to pennsylvania we were traveling out i80 east my brother who was a high school football player last summer was his summer going into a senior year and so he uh, bounced around at different football camps throughout the summer at universities. And so the football camp he was at was at Penn State University. Uh, Penn State was running it, and he was a part of it. And so we wanted to go out with the rest of the family and kind of enjoy time there, experience Penn State, see him and what he's doing, encourage him. And so they had been out there the whole day. They had been uh, doing uh, the drills and all that stuff during the camp. And me and my wife, after work, we're going to travel out there to Pennsylvania So we got in the car, we're going I-80 East, and we come around a little bend, and there's about 30 or 40 cars stopped. They're backed up. There was a wreck in front of them. So I go around the little bend, and I start applying the brake once, twice, and it goes out. Going 65, 70 miles per hour on I-80 East, my brakes go completely out. I'm in the far left lane, and so I'm freaking out at this moment, and the only thing that i can think to do is go into the median and so the median was grass median i had an opportunity to go into it and now we're riding the median at 65 70 miles per hour it was nuts we're riding this median i have no control over the car there's no brakes i don't know what to do i don't know what's next we come up to a point where there's three options one option is we can go off onto another road because there's this bridge we can go off onto another road the second option is we can go on to I-80 West and hit incoming traffic, oncoming traffic. The third option is because it was kind of built like a bridge, there's a three-foot cement wall there that we could run into. And by God's hand, we ran into that cement wall, and it stopped us in our tracks. The car is totaled the airbags, deployed, and I'm freaking out. I look over at my wife, and I say, are you okay? I said, yes. She's okay. I got out of the car. I've never been in a wreck. I'm freaking out i was losing my mind i didn't know what to do and i pulled the door open to the passenger side i get my wife out and i'm like are you okay are you okay yes we had no serious injuries maybe just a scratch we were obviously very sore but nothing major it was amazing and i i looked at her and i looked at her i was like this is a miracle we are not supposed to be alive right now that it is a miracle that god had his hand on this situation we should be dead and i was like he has a plan for us And miracles go from one end of the spectrum to the other, from the smallest things to the biggest things, even in life and death situations. And today, we're gonna look at a story where Jesus did a miracle that had life and death implications. And we've been saying here, the miracles that Jesus does are not just there because he wants to do a miracle. He doesn't just do a miracle to do a miracle and say, look at me. Rather, he does a miracle to point to something great. And there's a few things. One is who he is. He does a miracle so we can see who he is. That's God and our Savior. He wants us to see that in, in his power and what he's doing in that moment. Second thing is he wants us to see what he's done. He's come to save us from our sins. He points to the gospel every single time that he does a miracle. He also wants us to see his power he's he's doing amazing things that only god can do and so he wants us to see that he is god the power that god has he has and he is working out in these miracles and then lastly he wants us to see his compassion for people he runs into messy situations he runs into people that are in need that need help that are crying out for help and he runs into them with compassion and love we're going to look at a miracle today that is so profound That is one of those jaw-dropping, I-can't-believe-this-happened miracles in John 11. And something I don't want you to miss, and I don't think Jesus wants us to miss as we look at this scripture, is he doesn't want us to miss believing in who he is. He's going to say that throughout the passage. We're going to look at what that means. But we can get so focused on the miracle and be like, wow, wow, wow. But he doesn't want us to miss believing who he is. So we're going to dive into John 11. I'm really excited. As I was studying this, there's a lot of things that just popped And I I really hope as we read this, you can dive in to what is going on and see what he is talking about and see what he really wants us to see through this miracle. So John 11, 1 through 44 is where we're going to be. We're going to cover a lot of scripture here. We're going to talk about it a little bit. I'm going to read some specific passages and then we'll go from there. So first, we see in verse 1, Lazarus is sick. And so we see this guy named Lazarus, he is sick and he has two sisters, Mary And Martha, and we see this family throughout the Gospels of Jesus Christ, and so we see their interactions with Jesus. With him, they've built a relationship with him. They've had uh, dinners together. They they know each other well. So Lazarus, Mary, Martha, Mary and Martha send this message to Jesus: the one you love is sick. That's all they sent. Just a simple line: the one you love is sick. And it's fascinating that the two sisters cry out and send a message of help to Jesus because their brother's sick. They cry out, they're like, Jesus, because our brother, we want you to know. We want you to come. So Jesus in verse four, this is what he says to that message. Jesus said this in verse four, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and. Lazarus. Look, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He was not blind to what was going to happen when he got there. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And he knew that God's glory was going to be emphasized in this miracle. He wanted to point that out. He's like, no, no, it's not going to end death. Rather, I'm going to make big the glory of God. In this situation, God's glory is going to resonate throughout everybody that's there. And so he's pointing to that and then pointing to he's going to be glorified as the son of God. And then it reiterates that he loves this family. They are like family to him. He has a close relationship with them. He knows them really well. So he loves them. And it goes on to verse 6 and it says that Jesus stayed where he was at for two more days. And this is confusing. This doesn't make sense because he just got a message That the one he loves is sick. And naturally, in our human minds, we'd be like, wouldn't you take your disciples, he was hanging out with his disciples, and go and see where Lazarus is? Go and see Mary and Martha and help out. It doesn't make sense. And I can imagine his disciples might have been questioning, right? It's confusing to us. And a lot of you have been in that situation. A lot of you have walked through what Mary and Martha are walking through. And you're like, I'm crying out to God. I'm crying out. I've called for help. I've called for need. And yet he didn't show up. I don't know where he is. And I believe that Jesus in this moment had ultimately God's glory in mind. Jesus wants to promote and make high God's glory. He wants to make that the big picture here. And so they waited two more days, and then he tells his disciples who he's hanging out with, hey, we're going to go to Judea, okay? And his disciples are like, Jesus, what are you saying? They want to murder you there. They want to stone you there. It doesn't make sense. We're all going to get killed there. You're ridiculous. This doesn't, uh, you're silly for wanting to go back there. And then Jesus says, no, 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 wait. It's not my time yet. It's not my time. They're not, they're not going to kill me. God has a plan. God, God's work is going to be done through us. It's not my time, so we're going to go. And He says, Lazarus is sleeping. I'm going to go wake him up. And like any normal human, the disciples are like, well, if he's sleeping, why are you going to go wake him up? Because sleep is good. I love sleep and I don't like to be waked up. And they're like, well, sleep is good. And if he's sick, right, if he's not feeling good, sleep is even better. So why would you wake him up? And then in verse 14, this is what Jesus says. He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. And this will be a common theme throughout the passage. Jesus says, look, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you believe in me and who I am. He points to people believing in who he really is. These guys, these disciples that he had, they followed him for a while now. They have been listening to his teachings. They have been seeing what he's doing. It's like, why, why would he say that he wants them to believe who he is he wants them to see more to who he is he wants them to see something through this miracle that they haven't seen before he wants them to grab on to this truth about him that they haven't seen before that they'll see in this miracle and it goes on and it says that thomas one of the disciples is like let's go come on disciples we'll go and if we die that's okay if, if we die it's okay and so we see them travel and they're going to bethany they're heading to Bethany, they're outside of Bethany, and it captures the story of Mary and Martha right now in their house. And they're weeping, they're crying, they're mourning. They just lost their brother. It says that Lazarus has been dead for four days. And so they, like any, any normal human being, are, are just torn, torn because of this. And they, you see that Jewish people are coming to mourn and grieve with them. They're coming to comfort them. They're there for them. And word gets to Mary Martha. Jesus is here. He's right outside. He's outside of Bethany. Go, he's, he's almost here. And Martha books it out. She gets out the door. And Mary stays back. It's interesting because as we'll see in the next passage we read, I think Martha is really anxious to go talk to Jesus. I think, and I believe as I read this, this passage, she wants to know what's up. Why didn't you come? She's a little frustrated. My brother just died. So what, why, why weren't you here? And Mary kind of takes the passive, passive approach. I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to see Jesus. And it goes in the 21. And this is what Martha says. Lord... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, and this is such a fundamental truth that we need to grab onto, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die Do you believe this? In verse 27, this is what Martha says. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Look, this is a fascinating interaction that Martha has with Jesus. She comes running up to Jesus, and she said, in probably a tone that's upset, I can imagine, she's like, Lord, where were you? Like, if you would have been here, Lazarus would have been okay, like, we have to put a human emotion to this. We can sterilize the Bible and just think, oh, it's his. she was probably upset. She just lost her brother. And the one that could heal him, she didn't show up. And she's probably, she's like, Lord, if you, why, why weren't you here? And then she goes into some church answers. Like, well, I, I know, Jesus, I know if you ask God, he'll give you whatever you want. And then Jesus is like, well, he'll rise again. I know Jesus, rise again in the future, in the last day, in the resurrection day. I know, I know, we, I got it all figured out. He's like, I'm the resurrection in life. I'm the resurrection in life. I'm the only one that can give you eternal life. I'm the only one that can raise you from death to life. I'm the only one that can fulfill your life. And then he asked her a very pointed, a very pointed question, do you believe this? And it's super interesting what she answers. I didn't see this until last night. She says, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. She does not say, yes, I believe you're the resurrection of life. She gives a very interesting way of answering it. Very Jewish traditional way, right? They would have saw Jesus as the Messiah if they believed in that, the Son of God. But she does not say, I believe you're the resurrection of life. It probably almost caught her off guard what are you what are you saying i know you're the messiah the son of god and she gave the church answers and then we see her run back to mary we see her run back to the house where they're mourning she goes and she tells mary hey jesus wants to talk to you the teacher wants to talk to you and i don't know if jesus said that or not it doesn't tell us but it says that martha approached mary and mary crying and weeping she got up and she ran out of the house and the Jewish people that were around her, that were mourning with her, they see the urgency in what is happening and they run out with her. They're like, oh, where's she going? She might go to the tomb. We have to be with her. So Mary gets to Jesus and I kid you not, for verbatim, says the same exact thing that Martha says Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And she breaks down. She is crying, she is in the emotions of the moment. And I remember when this really hit me for the first time—these emotions that Mary and Martha are experiencing. When I was a freshman in college, uh, my grandpa was fighting cancer, and he was fighting cancer for a little while, and then cancer finally uh, took his life, and he passed away. I remember getting the call from my mom, "Hey, we called him Pappy. Pappy has passed away." And the funeral and calling hours were in Indiana, where they lived, and so I, from college, traveled out there to meet them and. They have the calling hours, and before you let people in, right, the family uh, gets to see the loved one that has passed away. They get to go up and have their, their moments there. I remember walking up to the casket with my family, and I remember walking up and seeing my, my grandpa's physical dead body, and I remember just breaking down. I, it was just done. I was in tears. The emotions of the moment just weighed so heavy on me it just wasn't right, this wasn't supposed to be, he's dead, but that doesn't feel right, It's, it's just not what's supposed to happen, and it just tore me down, and imagine in this moment, and many of you have probably experienced that moment, you're just like, what is happening, and that's what Mary and Martha, especially Mary in this moment, are experiencing, and we see that Jesus moves into those emotions with her it says that he is deeply moved and then he asks where is the tomb and we see he asks that and then it says next the easiest verse to memorize in the bible jesus wept jesus wept and it's not a loud weeping cry it's rather a cry to himself he is the emotions are taking over and he can feel the love that he has for his family. We can also feel the emotions that Mary and Martha, he, does, he knows that they don't believe in who he is and what he's about to do. And it says that the Jewish people that were there, some of them said, well, he really loved Lazarus. Well, look at the love he has. And then others of him, others of them said, well, what's his motives? What's his intentions? Why, why'd he wait? I understand why he's here and doing what he's doing. The emotions are so heavy at this moment. We have to see that. This is real life stuff. The emotions, Jesus, 100% human, 100% God, is in the mess with Martha, Mary, and the family. We see that Jesus tells them to remove the stone. Remove the stone, Martha. And this is what Martha says. No, Lord, he's been in there for four days and it stinks. And trust me, you don't want to go in there. We got it under control. It's going to be fine. Don't, don't mess with the stone. It'll be okay. We got it under control. Right? It, it's fine. It's whatever. And then we see in verse 40, Jesus' response. Because she does not believe he's the resurrection life. And then he says this, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me but i've said this for the benefit of the people standing here and that they may believe that you sent me jesus said i told you i was the resurrection in life i told you that i'm the only one that can raise the dead from life and i can give fulfilling life and yet you don't believe yet yet you're gonna miss the glory of god because you totally miss who i am yes you you might know this side of me but do you realize the truth of who i really am and the power that i have and then he thanks god the father his father in heaven says thank you for hearing me he says i'm doing this and i'm saying this so that others may believe he wants the people there to believe who he is and then the miracle takes place jesus is standing in front of the grave the stone is rolled away in a loud voice looking into the grave, and you just got to put yourself in that situation because I bet there was goosebumps. I bet there was such a powerful moment. He says, Lazarus, come out! And the dead guy walks out. The dead man who had been dead for four days walks out alive in his grave clothes and all. I can imagine that when... One moment, one second before, they're all crying. They're in this deep emotion of, like, I can't believe. I don't know what to think. I'm not. To watching their brother and their friend walk out alive. Celebration must have ensued, right? He raised from the dead. Party on, right? It's going to be a good day. I can't believe this just happens. And it says in verse 45, many believed. Many believed. What Jesus ultimately wanted. People to see through this miracle is who he is, the resurrection and life, and people came to know that. Jesus, throughout this passage, has a strong emphasis on believing in who he is in four different times. There's four different times, situations, that he is talking to someone, and it might be in different, different lingo or whatever, that he wants them to believe in who he is. Is and this is what he wants us to see, and this is what he wants Martha to see, and what he said to Martha. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And this changes absolutely everything. This changes everything. Because Martha was told that by Jesus, and she's like, Well, I know you're the Messiah and you're the Son of the God and, and you are gonna come, right? But he's like, no, 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 I'm the resurrection life. I'm the only one who can give you life. I bring from dead to life and I'm the only one that can fulfill you perfectly in this life. It absolutely changes everything. He's not just a guy that knows the way to eternal life. He's not just one option. He's like, I am the resurrection. I'm the only one. I'm the only solution. And that's what he wants us to see and he calls us to believe and live In that the physical miracle of Lazarus was only pointing to the spiritual truth of who Jesus is and what he's come to do in his death and resurrection, the gospel, what he's doing in our lives. The next thing that you can write down is Jesus raises us from the dead. Jesus raises us from the dead. Like I said, the story of Lazarus, the miracle of Lazarus, points to the spiritual truth of who Jesus is, and Jesus is the only solution to our sin. Jesus is the only solution to our sin. There's nothing that we can do. And through his resurrection, the gospel says that that we are sinners, that that we have this separated relationship with God because of our sin. It says God sent Jesus to come on this earth, lived a life, had a ministry, and some people put him to death. They put him on a cross. He died not just to die, but to die for our sins. Everything awful we've done against him he took that and then three days later he rose from the grave he rose from the grave and said if you believe in who i am you'll have eternal life with me and through that resurrection he has defeated death and that is the reason that he can give us life he is the only one that's defeated death he says only through me will you find life I'm the only one. I've done it. I'm the one you can come to for life. Just like Lazarus. And a lot of you sitting here, and some of you sitting here, I should say, are like Lazarus in the grave. Some of you sitting here are still dead in your sins. You're in your grave clothes. The tomb is shut. You're sitting there in your sin, dead, looking for ways to get out looking for ways, how how do I get out of this? How do I get out of my sin? And Jesus is outside the grave and he's calling you by name. Come out. He's calling you to life. He's calling you to eternal life, to the one who can give you that, the only one that can give you that. It's not how hard you try. It's not anybody in your family that can save you. It's not the work you can do. It's only through him. And we look at Martha. Martha was asked by Jesus, do you believe this? She, she was asked, if you, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and life? And it was interesting to answer, yep, I believe that. I believe, uh, I don't believe that, but I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're the Messiah, right? That's how she answered. It was interesting. She never said, yep, I believe that you're the resurrection and life. Yep, I believe that you raised from the dead. She totally missed who he is. And a lot of us that have been in church for a while can miss who he is. We can give the church answers. We give the right answers. Right? You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. And yet we miss the ultimate power of who Jesus is and what he's come to do. He is the resurrection in life. He gives us life. Some of you have said, yes, I believe in that. And yet we can totally miss and forget about that. We can totally move on and, and like, where, where, how did I get out of the grave? I don't, every day we need to look back that Jesus has given us life when we were dead. And he is the only way to fulfilling life. So some of you need to answer the call of Jesus for the first time saying, get out of the grave clothes. You're a stinky, dead mess. You're not going to get anywhere. There's nothing that can help you except for me, and some of you are processing that call. I would challenge you to think about that call. You're going to answer it by saying, yes, I believe. I believe that you're the only one because you defeated death. In others of you need to look back at who Jesus is. We can say the church, yep, son of God, yep, Jesus, yep, He's the resurrection and life. Then he goes on to say, Jesus provides us with life. It's the next point that you can write down. Jesus provides us with life. And when you believe in Jesus, right, he will fulfill your life. He's the only one that can ultimately fulfill your life. There's a lot of things that we try to seek through fulfillment, right? Money. Work. Social status. We try to fulfill ourselves through these things. And what happens is it leaves us empty. We talked a little about this last week. It leaves us empty, and we want to come back for more, and we want to come back for more. As we take more, as we take more, we're more empty and more empty. It never fills us up, it never fulfills us. And he says, The life that I've given you, I, I am that life. Everything should flow out of me in the life you're living. Don't, don't go over here for the trash. Don't go over here for the junk that you think is going to fulfill you. It's not going to fulfill you. Only I am. in everything else that you enjoy that can flow out of that, you'll enjoy 10 times more because you realize that I'm the ultimate one. Jesus provides us with, with eternal life, but he gives us a meaningful and full life now. gives us meaning, purpose, love, and a life that we're supposed to live. It changes how we see our fulfillment and satisfaction right? maybe you've never seen that and you're like okay i need to start running to him in prayer in the bible maybe it's community with p- other people maybe it's in solitude by yourself maybe it's in worship daily right this hit me in the face i'm like okay i need to find fulfillment every single day in him nothing else can fulfill me not the stuff i own not the stuff i have This also hit me in the face. As Christians, right? Martha exemplified this. She totally missed that Jesus was the life. She was doing the Christian walk. She was doing the right things, right answers. She was doing all the good things. And we can get stuck in that. I have gotten stuck in that. And we totally miss that Jesus is the life and everything we do for him flows out of that. We can go and works, 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 works. Oh, drudgery, drudgery, drudgery. And Jesus is like, no, 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 come to me for life. And when you serve others, when you have relationship with others, when you're in the word, you'll have fulfillment in life in me and all those things will start to make sense. All those things will start to flow. All those things will become exciting and new and fresh because I'm your life and you're, I'm finding fulfillment in him. It's a gospel-centered living. It's a gospel-centered life that we center around that we look to him and say, look at what he's done and what I'm going to do out of response of that. And so Jeff has been ending with the so what question. So what now? Barberton, 2017, July. What do we do? What do we do with this? So what? What's that mean to me? And I'm going to ask one question and then I got to end here as we flesh out this question. And it's a question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? He's asking, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection? And I see three groups of people in this story. One is those who are still in the grave. Some of you might still be in the grave. You never answered that call. So you're sitting in that grave in your death, in your sin, still wrapped in your, your grave clothes, Jesus is outside calling you by name. And he wants you to walk out and run to him for life so that you can take the grave clothes off, that your sins will be wiped clean because of what he's done on the cross, what the perfect, sinless Savior, who is God that came down to save us, did for you. And he is the only one that can give you eternal life. There is no other way. He's the only one that can give you eternal life then there's a second group those who are out of the grave I believe in Jesus I believe and yet totally miss what he's done for us say yes one time we keep walking we never look back at he's the resurrection he's the life he's the one that raised me he's the one that's provided me life we just live life like yep I got this I got this you're you're Jesus I love you yep we totally miss going back to that there's a third group You're out of the grave, and you have people that are still in the grave. Martha and Mary sent a message to Jesus. Hey, our brother, he's sick. Come help. And some of you have people that are still in the grave. They're still in the grave that are in your life. That you want so desperately to hear the call of Jesus. I would challenge you, pray for them. Send that message to Jesus on behalf of them. And Jesus, in his timing, when God's glory will be at the peak, when he wants to do it, his plan he will answer. He ultimately knows what's best. It can be hard, right? Mary and Martha like, why didn't you show up? You need to have faith and trust in who he is. And lastly, do you believe that Jesus is the life? Do you believe he is the life? Do you run to him for a fulfilling life? We can run to a lot of things, run to a ton of things to try to fulfill us, fill us up in life, and they leave us empty. And Jesus says, I'm the only one because I am the life. Be pouring yourself into me. Right? Look into the Bible, look into prayer, dive in the community. And everything will stem from that. Do you believe this? Is the question that he's asking you? Why don't we pray?